Hey, Mr. Sambo, it's slow. Come for fun for the summer. I book a new room because they shut down the other. So grab your things in jam for a dollar. The people love banging when I don't check the cover. So What's going on, everybody? This is your host for Not For Long Media and the Colin Thompson Show. Hope everyone's doing great. Lots going on in the world of sports. Lots going on in the world today. Some good, some bad, some crazy, um, some fun. First off, I hope everybody has an awesome 4th of July, an awesome upcoming weekend here, a big part of the summer. Um, please be safe. Please avoid fireworks and the things that could go wrong with fireworks. I'm not going to make a joke about that. Um, but no, we, we're really excited uh, for a lot of things coming here at Not For Long Media, at the Colin Thompson Show, several of our shows. Um, some things will be coming out over the next couple of days of what to expect, what's next, who's joining us. So I hope, like I said, by the end of the summer, we're going to have two, three, four, five different podcasts now, not for long media, not just us and Breaking Bat. So some really fun things to report. Uh, and like I said, we're really excited for what's next. So today, what's next on our docket? Taylor Cummings is joining us. Absolute stud, arguably the greatest women's, uh, women's lacrosse player of all time. They're competing in the 2022 World Lacrosse Women's Championship, formerly the World Cup. It's happening in Towson, Maryland. The first game starts Wednesday, June 29th. We are recording on the 28th. Um, this will come out tonight. Um, so if you're listening tomorrow, Wednesday, you're going to be hearing this for the first time that, yes, the first game is tomorrow night, Wednesday, June 29th, or tonight, I should say, for you guys listening on the actual 29th. It's at 7 p.m. They play Canada, who's their biggest rival, the team they play the most. You'll hear Taylor talk about Canada and several teams that are in the World Cup at 7 p.m. on ESPN, too. So make sure you check them out. Like I said, Taylor's Torton winner three times in a row, which is the Heisman Trophy of, of uh, lacrosse. And she won it for, obviously, the women's side. And she's competing in the World Cup, something that's been delayed uh, the women's lacrosse world championships have been delayed for quite some time now. It's been a year because of COVID. So this is their fifth year. You're here, uh, Taylor referenced that they've been waiting five, you know, six years for this. There's 30 teams in the, in 30 nations in this uh, lacrosse championship. So everybody from Wales to Italy, to Austria, to Argentina, to us, Canada, Czech Republic, uh, Korea, Latvia, Mexico. So it's a really cool thing. It's great that it's in the Mecca of lacrosse here in this area in Towson and a few other fields and stadiums around that area. So uh, there's a lot to offer if you're in the area and you want to go to the game. There's like there's carnivals and festivals and all things that that have to do with that event. So check that out. And we're really excited to have Taylor come on. But we're going to get into a few things here before we get on with Taylor. First, I want to talk about our friends of the original Fudge Kitchen. Jack, I was in Cape May this weekend. You were uh, down the shore a couple weeks ago. Man, there's nothing better than that fresh fudge from Fudge Kitchen. I happen to be backstage there where they were whipping up the fudge and they're talking, talking to me about all the different temperatures they cook at and how they clean everything and process everything, how everything's pure and the types of sugars they use and just the type of quality product they use. I knew they used great stuff, but to hear them talk about it and the pride that these fudge makers have, there's about eight to 10 fudge makers. That's all they have. And they make all the fudge fresh that day in the back. This isn't something that's shipped in. Um, but it was pretty cool to talk about the shipping process. They literally make the fudge fresh. They take the shipping from the fresh fudge, put that in the box, USPS, boom, right to your door, fudgekitchens.com. Check them out. Shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. So there's nothing better than the fudge kitchen fudge, guys. That's really awesome. The summer, the sweet treats, the saltwater taffies, you know, everything's fresh, uh, made locally. 
when it comes to the chocolates and the saltwater tafflers. And then again, the fudge is made fresh right now, so you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. I got to try a couple of different things. Jack, I also passed along a couple of your comments, a couple of your thoughts about maybe changing, darkening the tint of the peanut butter. So yeah. people aren't thrown off between the vanilla and the peanut butter. Uh, let's just say people to be were impressed. So anybody who's out there listening and has any questions, comments, concerns about the fudge, just reach out to us. I'll put you in contact with the people to be, and they can help you with anything you need. So again, you want to ship fudge across the country? You cannot beat. You cannot beat that fudge in the summer and the holidays. Fudgekitchens.com. I didn't realize how blessed we were. I mean, like I'm, the fudge kitchen has always been a Connell mainstay. Every time we would go to Ocean City during the summer, we'll always hit it. it will, the, the tradition is the last day we hit it, and then we have it for when we come back for the next several days. We'll preserve it. And it's almost like it's it's almost like how Philly is soft pretzels. Like you leave, and it's like some there's some soft pretzels, other like cheesesteaks that they're not as good. And then it's like that with the fudge. It's just like I didn't know how good I had it with the fudge kitchen until like I tried some other place. I'm like. This isn't as good as the other places I've been to. And it's just now Fudge Kitchen is just the best. It, it truly it is best, man. Treat. The original Fudge Kitchen. Check out their social medias. They just kill it. They do a great job. And they're just locals down the Jersey Shore, great people. Just awesome to be able to connect and go backstage with what they've got going on there because it was just, yeah, it's just a cool experience. So next time you're in town, take a picture of that fudge. Send us a picture of the box of fudge you're eating or working on or where you're eating it at, if it's on the beach or the car ride home from the shore. And again, you don't have to stop by the shore to get it. You can get it anywhere you need it. So fudgekitchens.com. They'll ship it to you. Thank you to them. We appreciate your belief in us here. Not for long media and the Colin Thompson show. Okay. So yes, Taylor Cummings is coming up again. Three-time tour time winner. The Heisman of women's lacrosse. She's coming on. They open up Wednesday night against Canada, 7 p.m. If you can't make it, uh, we'll be there. We'll be live in action, Jack. Wednesday, June 29th, we'll be there, 7 p.m. It's on ESPN, too, so check it out. All right, Jack, there's a few things that have happened between – um, this is our last show. Obviously, the NHL playoffs have come to an end. Obviously, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. I wanted to see Game 7. I think everybody else wanted to see Game 7. I think a lot of people weren't, wouldn't be upset if both teams won. Tampa, you get to continue the legacy and write the, you know, in the history books, even though winning back-to-back is amazing. Three in a row puts you in a whole nother category, and they were really close to winning. I just think with Point and a few other people being out for Tampa, not – you know, as high powered as they needed to be to compete with the team in Colorado. And that takes absolutely nothing away from Colorado. They're missing players too. Um, so props to the Avalanche on winning the Stanley Cup. They went all in to win the Stanley Cup. They have the high-end talent. They have the talent in between. They have the guys at the bottom of the roster that can get it done. They have timely goaltending. And they went out and traded for Kemper, who was solid all the way through. They have a solid backup. And they really built it the right way. This is a team that Matthew Shane not too long ago said, I want to be out of this organization five, six years ago because they were that bad. Or maybe it was four years ago. They were that bad. And for them to make the run they have, the team they have, for the veterans to stay on and stick on like a Landis Gaga guy that's been there forever, was there when they were the worst team in the NHL. And it's right where the Flyers are. And I make the comparison back to the Flyers. And I'm a huge Flyers fan. It's no secret on the show. I went through the Flyers roster today as I was listening to a podcast. I love the Missing Curfew podcast. I'm a big Chicklets fan as well, obviously. But when I, after I listen to the Chicklets episode, I go over to Missing Curfew with Scotty Upshaw, Shane O'Brien. And they were talking about the Flyers roster today, and I'm all over the place here. But they were just going through the roster, and they brought up great points. Think about all these teams that are in the playoffs. They have absolutely studs. They have all-stars. They have top ten players in the league, if not two of them. So 
much as I want to say the Flyers need to turn things around, and I love the torts hire. I absolutely love the torts hire. We have Jason Martinez come on right before the hire and talk about torts or trots. The torts hire is an awesome hire. I know people are you know hung up about it and a couple of different things, but the, the podcasts I listen to, the actual real reporting from the players, that they have nothing but great things to say about them. There's a couple of players that are going to tweet this and that, that he's not the greatest and blah, blah, blah. But every player that's a pro and is mature, and they love playing for him. So I'm excited for that opportunity. I think they need to go out and get affordable veterans to make themselves competitive. But do they have any young pieces that are really that great other than Carter Hart? They have zero. So we'll see what that happens. Proveroff needs to step up. The Flyers, I'm, I'm talking – I need to get back to talking to Stanley Cup, but it's hard not to talk about the Flyers and how frustrating it is because there's literally nothing in the cupboard to give up. They passed on the greatest defenseman in the NHL right now in uh, Cal McCarr. So – and drafted Nolan Patrick, who I think was the right pick to take. He was the number two player. I think McCarr went third or fourth or fifth somewhere after the Flyers, you know, took a pick. So four or five teams passed up on him, not just the Flyers. But he's changing, you know, everything. The guy won the Conn Smythe. He won the, you know, he won just about everything, and he won the Stanley Cup. So props to Kel McCarr. Props to the Avalanche. I was bummed by Lightning. Again, I'm a person that supports the Lightning. I was down there in the XFL. I got to be around kind of that team from afar and kind of watch what they do, um, see how good they are. I like John Cooper. I like the coach. They're going to be back again. They're going to be back again. Why not? They have the goalie. It's like 29 years old. They have the players. They have the pieces. So we'll see. And, again, no income tax in the state of Florida. So there's guys who can go there, make a minimum. That's like making uh, double, $2 million, say, if the minimum is a, minimum, uh, a million. They're making $2 million, say, if they played in Canada or a high-tax state like a California, New York, Buffalo. So – We'll see what happens. That's my comments, Jack. I'm bummed the Lightning did not force a game seven. It was a tough game, 2-1. I think there was some refereeing down the end there. There was a little suspect going towards the Avalanche's way. Uh, so that stinks. It also stinks that the first game, that other game, there were six men on the ice when the, the goal happened for uh, an overtime for the Avalanche to win. So, you know, Tampa could have tied that series up and we would, have, we would have had seven games, which is kind of a bummer. But again, probably one of the better NHL seasons, R.A., who's come on the podcast and talked about that. R.A. is an absolute stud. He talked about it's one of the best NHL seasons he's ever seen. You guys watch a lot of hockey. So I went all over the place, Jack, per usual. But uh, congrats to the Avalanche. The Lightning will be back better than ever. The Flyers have a huge decision to make whether they're just going to tank or they're going to sign and go into the playoffs and try to compete with this high-end talent because as of now, they're nowhere near these teams. Is it also fair to give the Avalanche the fudged up moment of the week for dropping the Stanley Cup like five seconds into getting the cup? Yeah, I think I it mean, is fair. You see that? We're going to give the fudged up moment of the week and then send a box of fudge to the people that have to fix the Stanley Cup, which is a really <laughs> cool segment. Go look that up online, how they fix it, and they engrave everybody's names. It's really unique. For those that aren't hockey fans, every single player and coach on that team get the cup for a day minimum to do what they want with it. Drink as many beers as you want out of it. Have bowls of cereal out of it. Have ice cream out of it. Sink it to the bottom of your pool. Bring your whole family over. Bring the whole town over. Have a parade. So it's a really cool tradition. It's the best trophy in sports bar none. I think the Super Bowl needs to do something. I think the Super Bowl needs to do something. Take a note. I don't care if you mimic it, but find a way. Even though the Super Bowl trophy is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I've seen one. There was one in our locker room the other day. The other day, a couple weeks ago. It's incredible. It was goosebumps for me. Really was, Jack. But the bottom line is there's nothing like that Stanley Cup. I think there was a video of LeBron James the other day when he walked by it and he was just like, oh, boy, it's a Stanley Cup. Like, right, he plays in the NBA. He's won millions of championships or whatever he's done. And he walks by that cup and he's still in awe. 
I mean, I think the NBA is actually starting to take a book out of the Stanley Cup as well. If their new trophy, they're starting to do, to do like the rings and the engravements of the teams at the bottom of the trophy. They did, I think to, this year was their first year of Golden State. So I, was, I don't know if they're adding rings, like continuous, like the Stanley Cup has, and then replacing them out. But they're starting to take a book out of the Stanley Cup's playbook there with the engravements. Why not? Why not? You know, it'd be cool as heck for the NFL to do it. Pound for pound, probably the bigger and stronger humans playing in the NFL um, than the NHL. Just, you know, I guess it's just fact. I don't, I mean, that respectfully to the players in the NHL. So I think we can handle a big trophy as well. Yeah. Those guys toss that thing around. It's like 50 pounds. Oh my God, it's massive. It's, I mean, but the thing is, though, like, I feel like, I mean, if you tried to engrave all 53, I feel like if you had to get you all 53 players, all 10 practice squad or 11 practice squad guys, the entire that thing will be a size of a Stanley Cup trophy just after one season. Like, it won't take multiple seasons to get that many rings. That's the impressive part of it. Well, let, let, let's do it. It's the number one sports team in the world, it's the number yeah. one sports, you know, business in the world up there with the Premier League and the NBA. So, I don't know, find a way to do it. That's my that's my pick. Roger Goodell, we need a bigger trophy. <laughs> PSA. So yeah, so I don't know. Anything else in the NHL playoffs? I think it's a great, it's fantastic. Again, we had game sevens, we had sweeps, we had probably the team that was meant to win it, win it, but with some drama along the way. Um, so another great season in the NHL. Of course. It was it was fun to watch and finally become invested a little bit in hockey for the first time in a bit. I'm sure hopefully it'll carry back over the start of next season. It will. It will. And like I said, I'm really concerned about the Flyers. <laughs> they have no cap space. They have nobody to give up. They don't really have a ton of young end premier talent for them to acquire more talent. They're going to have to trade people and give draft picks because their players are not coveted. So they'd have to get players off the books. It's a big business and a lot of struggling. Okay, let's keep it moving so we can get everybody to the Taylor Cummings interview. Okay. A major, 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 major move in college football. Not NAL, folks. Yes, we exhausted NAL, and we'll continue to talk about that. We are talking Arch Manning. Arch Manning, folks. The biggest saga around a high school athlete ever because of who his parents, who his uncles are, who his grandparents are. Arch Manning commits to play football at the University of Texas. He says, if you know, you know. Get your horns up. For those that are not fans, it would be horns down, like my father-in-law, who's definitely not happy about this commitment, who's an LSU fan. He absolutely hates Texas, and the whole Dupree clan does not. My my in-laws and my wife, we are not Texas fans. Uh, I am, I am, you know, Switzerland here. I, I you know, it's it's a, left, a whole other beast. I'm not from Texas like they are, but I'll say this: this is the best thing to happen to college football. The best thing. There's a few reasons why. One, visibility, period. Texas takes over the entire country. It takes over the entire country. It connects the West Coast to the SEC. It connects the SEC to anybody that Texas is going to play out of conference. It connects everything. Obviously, Texas is now going to the SEC, so that's got to be a part of the recruitment and, and the and the nostalgia because his father – excuse me – all of his, his father and his uncles all played in the SEC. There's a lot of juice behind that. His grandfather played in the SEC. So that's a big thing in the South. For those that don't know, the SEC literally be like somebody from Philly playing for the Eagles. Like that's it. 
like, oh my God, you made it. That's the Mecca. That's the Mecca in the South is playing in the SEC. My wife, Sydney, was one of the top players, lacrosse players in the state of Texas. She was getting recruited by Northwestern and Stanford and Florida. She went to Florida because she wanted to go to the SEC. And Florida has two lacrosse teams. Uh, excuse me. The SEC has two lacrosse teams. Vanderbilt women's and Gator women's lacrosse. That's it. No men's. So it was either go to Texas, go to TCU, go to AM, go to, you know, she got recruited by Duke for lacrosse or go to Florida. There was no other choice. So it was like school or go play lacrosse in Florida. And she had a great career in Florida. Played against Taylor Cummings a ton in Maryland. So I digress, but the SEC is huge. It is Mecca in the South. So they're from Louisiana. Texas is not very far from there. Obviously, they can get there. They have the fun finances, I would guess. I don't want to speak. They have the finances to get the games, but they're going to play games at LSU. They're going to play games at AM. They're going to play games at Oklahoma. They're going to play big time games. Texas, all the Texas now is a is the number one brand in college football when they're rolling. Period. Hate to say it, but they're the number one brand in college football when Texas is rolling. They're they're got to be number one, right? Top five. I mean, it is phenomenal what Texas has put together because you look at Texas's roster and you could legitimately. I'm not saying it's without a doubt. I'm saying there's. There is a debate that Arch Manning might not even be the best QB on his roster when he steps in there. He's got Quinn Ewers. One, te- he reclassified, but he's technically one year older than Arch at this point. He should be a freshman this season. Number one or number two QB in his class. They've got another number two QB, or no, I think it's like somewhere number two or number four QB in their class, also part of that team. And an SEC transfer, I think, is two years out from this point, or is it one year now from this point for Texas? Well, I think it's all moving up. I don't know if it's declared yet. I know the American Athletic Conference, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston are all leaving after next season. Okay. So they're all so, paying money to get in there quicker, right? So I'm assuming one year, boom, he's going to be playing. You need to redshirt him. Yeah. You have to. Just Absolutely. to get him organized. He won't. Be, here's another thing that people don't understand. You know, awesome college football, great. It's worth the sacrifice. You're going to make a lot of money. He won't be able to go to class. He will not go to class. Like Tim Tebow did not go to class at Florida. He had tutors come to his classroom. Now he'll take everything virtually. So Arch Manning literally will never step foot in a classroom in Texas. I would be shocked if he does. We're going to keep a tracker on that, Jack. We're going to send you down to Austin. But he will never be able to go to a grocery store. He will never be able to go to a bar. He'll never be able to. You know, I'm not saying encouraging under, 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 underage drinking. He won't be able to go to – again, I'm not encouraging underage drinking, folks. But he'll never be able to go to an establishment in Austin. He'll never be able to go to a restaurant. He'll never be able to go to a grocery store. So I know it doesn't matter, and everyone turns their TV on, and they want to see the kid go out there, perform, and play. But he is picking that place to solely play and win and go to the NFL. There's no, like, hiding, especially yeah. that city. So, Talk about – Talk about right now. This is, you even talk about storylines. This is one that just came to me now. The rise of Texas. What's the other big dormant powerhouse that is now suddenly back on the rise out in the Pac-12? USC. You've got all of that. Caleb Williams now taking the step up. Potential Heisman leader, number one overall pick in the future. I mean, talk about two historic college football cornerstones coming back with Bama still on top, Clemson, Georgia, all of these teams still in the mix. It is just college football is at a whole other level going this season. I think there's so much excitement for the first time. I would say in a while, but it's definitely the most excitement's been around it for a good time. The thing is in sports now, every offseason becomes more exciting. Like we have no idea what's about to happen in the NBA. 
to me, the NBA offseason is way more fun than the, the in-season. There's going to be trades. Kyrie opts in today. He's going to be traded. All these guys are going to be traded. There are going to be all these new landing spots up right before football season always starts. It's like, boom, right in the middle of training camp. This guy traded here. That guy traded there. This guy got drafted here. He got flopped here. So every offseason, to your point, becomes the next exciting thing. It really does. And it's not because, you know, that's just what's hot. It's because it's fact. Like, people are being more creative now in the business of sports. They're more creative now with salary cap. Guys are getting moved, traded, shifted, because people now see they go all in. They're going to win a championship or you're going to be in the finals or whatever. Look at Golden State, way over the luxury tax. Great. I think it's the Kroenke family. They won a championship with the Rams. They won a championship with the Avalanche. Both teams that went all in. So that's an owner saying, you can go all in. I don't care what it costs. So expect that. I think they're, uh, they created the indoor lacrosse league. They also team they own is in Colorado. Mm -hmm. They won that yep. too. So <clears throat> more teams are going to go in. I'll, I, that's all I have to say. And, and, and I'm talking about that across all sports, but a team like Texas is going all in. My whole point to bring this up too is they've landed. Let's see how many people they've landed. Okay. This is from New York Post. Texas is back, back on the trail at least since landing a commitment. For the coveted five-star quarterback Arch Manning on Thursday, Longhorns have been beneficiaries of a recruiting surge. A whopping seven prospects have committed to Texas in the wake of Manning's announcement. Seven. <laughs> and what is that? Four days? Yeah, it's been literally not even a week. It's so been... two guys a day just about. They'll probably get another transfer. I don't know if that's over. I have no idea. It's the summer. I guess it's too late. But – they're going to get somebody. And the thing is, if the kid's good and hot, and there's good rumors out of it, kids will come slowly transferring into Texas again. Plus with the NIL now making things and the new transfer rules making it very easy to switch. They could easily, if Arch just has a very, like if he starts this upcoming season somehow, which I don't think he will, and he just balls out with an okay roster surrounding him, they'll be gunned up by his sophomore year, which is transfers, all the top transfers. Like, oh, I want to go Arch with my QB. I want to, he's going to rise my draft stock. It's Look going to at be what Joe team. Burrow and those guys did it at LSU. Yeah, absolutely. Every single receiver, every single offensive lineman, every running back, and their backups are all in the NFL. And they're all good players. We play with some. I play with two of them, Terrace Marshall and, St and Stephon Sullivan. Sullivan's a great NFL tight end. He's a great wide receiver in college. He barely played there. And he still got drafted in the seventh round. So, Yeah. I mean, he played, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it wasn't like Jamar Chase running around out there. This is a depth his team has. So that's what LSU had. I, I could imagine Texas with the NIL money, the deepest pockets in college football. They have to. Oh, yeah. To put in perspective, folks, from the rumors I hear about Texas, their facility, they have their own fragrance. It's a custom <laughs> fragrance. You walk through the place, it's a smell you've never smelled before. That's what I heard. Now, you could look it up. I'm sure you can find it online, too. It's not like it's some hot take or some random like rumor. Disney World? Like how you step in Disney World and it smells like vanilla? Is it just like they got their own, like, Yeah, they do. Texas football is their own thing, and they have more money than God. So <laughs> props to Texas football. You know, as much as I, I know some people are like, don't I like Texas or like Texas, whatever, it's great for college football. In the world we live in today with NIL and all this stuff that a lot of people disagree with, Arch Manning going to Texas is absolutely massive for, for college football. Um, if you're a network, if you're a market, and Texas is joining the SEC, <laughs> ESPN's got to be so happy about that commitment. So, 
I digress. We talked a little NHL playoffs. We talked a little NBA. Sadly, we talked a little. No, I'm kidding. It was good to talk to NBA. I do love the NBA offseason. I think the Sixers have to be creative and fun. What, what are they going to do, Jack? I don't think it's really going to be much. I think you've seen the most exciting thing they're going to do this offseason happen just now. It seems very predictable at this point. As much as you talk Kyrie Irving, it seems very likely he's just going to go. Nobody wants it. Here's the thing. Nobody wants to trade for Kyrie Irving because the white whale that will follow him is Kevin Durant. And everybody would much rather put their assets towards Kevin Durant. And nobody wants with things Kyrie Irving not really being a full-time player with vaccines and stuff like that. They really aren't interested in paying him a $200 million contract for he might not play all 82 games every season. And then if they ship them all in, then there's Kevin Durant. They could have put all their assets to Kevin Durant. So it seems like everything's staying in Brooklyn. Zach Levine's going to stay in Chicago. Bradley Beal's going to stay in Washington. There's going to be no real trades. The biggest splash I can expect from Philly is P.J. Tucker on a three-year, $30 million contract. That is probably about the biggest thing that's going to happen in Philly. And this, alongside the James Harden extension, which is will just be a – he'll opt into his player option, then get a two-year max contract on top of that, round out to about a three-year, $150 million deal to keep him around. <laughs> it's only going to get worse, Colin. There's a new TV deal, and I think it's about two or three seasons. It's and good. I like guys getting paid. We are a – it's not getting get worse. It's going to get better, Jack. We are four guys getting paid. I'm for it. I hope everybody gets paid. I hope it all. every guy gets paid and, get, and, and take care of your body. It's a brutal sport. It's a brutal commitment. Cash in. Have your best year before you get, get paid for your contract. All that good stuff. We are a player-friendly podcast, folks. So a little bit of everything, a little bit of – again, we're talking women's lacrosse. We are so jacked to have Taylor Cummings on. Taylor has become a friend. Legend in the cross community. She's a teacher. She's a mentor. She's a coach. She's a player. Uh, fantastic stuff. Check out her website. Check out our friends at the Fudge Kitchen shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Fudgekitchens.com. Again, shipping right to your front door and then stop at the Jersey Shore on your way down or while you're leaving, get some for the ride home. It is so fresh. It is so damn good. Okay. Canada, USA. Women's World Championship, Towson, Maryland, ESPN2, Wednesday night, the 29th, 7 p.m. We'll be there. Can't wait to watch and support that team. So that does it for another episode of the Colin Thompson Show. Let's send it over to Taylor Cummings. Change up the name of some, we change up the script. Ain't gonna stop till we all sit to pretty. Me and some more rocking shows in the city. All right, guys, so Taylor Cummings in the house today. Taylor, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? I am doing great. I'm going great. It's uh, it's been awesome to get to know you, you know, off the field. I watch you a ton on the field, and and uh, obviously a ton of mutual friends. But uh, this is an exciting time in your life, the World uh, Cup, World Championships mm -hmm. is is on the way. Uh, first game Wednesday, June 29th. So nine days out for us. This will come out uh, just right before Tuesday, uh, June 28th. How excited are you? What's on your mind? I mean, it's been five years. We had we were supposed to be in 2021, and then COVID pushed us back. So it's been five years since many of us have played like a U.S. game that like really means something. And um, to have it at you know in Towson at home in our country is just a huge opportunity for us. We see it as a huge opportunity for the game and just have people that we know be able to come to games and support us on, on this stage is, is really exciting. So I think we're all like itching to play this last, we were together last week uh, or two weeks ago, then sixth or ninth. And the two weeks in between has felt like a lifetime. So I think we're just ready to get, get out there and get going. 
So you're known as someone in the business. If you follow Taylor, guys, Taylor's a fantastic follow, always working out, always grinding, very dialed in on how you approach things very professionally. Um, and a lot of people do that, but a lot of the things you do, your public and your branding is fantastic. It's, it's a fun follow for me. I suggest everyone to follow Taylor, but what's your process been like, take us back to like, when's it start for you, right? For me, there's like different points of the season when I like turn it on and shut it down and then turn it back on and then the season hits. But did it start six months out training? I mean, you're always training, but when did you dial in on, you know, skills and trills and training and then the transition to like a little bit of a break and then full throttle rest periods? Can you take us into that? So I guess it would have started about a year ago. Um, we had tryouts this time last year and then um, a training camp like two weeks after. And then we were going to our professional season. So probably in March of 2021 is when I started to really like ramp things back up in terms of on-field drills, training in the gym. Um, that kind of carried me through, you know, AU last year. We I did some like supplemental stuff on, on our days we weren't playing, but for the most part, you know, my training was done in those that March, April, May um, timeframe. And then what's different about us is it's not like a season. So we have to, we meet in October, we meet in a month later in November, we meet two months later in January. So you kind of have to figure out like how to be in shape at your peak in all yep. those different timeframes, which is really hard. Weird. So that's where like, I'm so lucky I have my trainer and Jay Dyer that he would kind of like ramp me up right before taper me down, ramp me up again for like a two week period, taper me down. And then um, our January weekend got canceled because of COVID. That's when like the Omicron, whatever was really pop going off. So um, that actually allowed me probably from January to mid February, I was at like 50% of doing what I usually do. And that's really hard for me. Um, but I knew I couldn't keep training hard for a year and a half. So that was like a 50% uh, taper down, you know, I was still moving, but it wasn't at, you know, the speed or the, the length that I've been in previous times. And then come like, again, mid March, that's when we started to ramp up. So I'm officially in like my last taper down before we get going to World Cup. So this, I feel good going into camp. The mental side of things is the hardest side of it. The training's the easy and the fun part. Post training, you feel amazing. You're, you know, you feel like you made a deposit today. But those days are so important of rest, and I struggle with them a lot. The pool has been huge for me because mm -hmm. I can still swim and do something and check a box and sauna and feel better. And I feel better the next day because I got a little bit of movement in. I didn't mm -hmm. really take too big of a deposit out. So for someone that's you know at the highest level, and, and I'll tell you know a quick story. So for me, I was in and out of the NFL for like three years. And then mm -hmm. I kind of got my feet back in and then you can, you work on different things. Once you're like on a team, you're, you're working on different drills and all the things that you're trying to do with your current role. But when you're out and you're trying to go in, there's like these little work, I view workouts. So you'll just show up to a workout and you got to be in great shape. Mm -hmm. Some workouts are five minutes long. Like you literally show up, they put you through a bag drill, you run four routes and they say, okay, you're, we're going to pick you. You're on the team. Some you have the conditioning test. You do all these different things. Then you have to no live your normal life because you don't know what's going on. Yep. And I really feel like I couldn't pick one thing to work on. I feel like I was doing like 50% of everything, which is kind of what football is. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like, you know, that I've been on a team, I've been able to specify on things and say, okay, this is what I do well. I need to make sure I keep doing that. I need to make sure I work on these fewer, you know, three, four, five, six things, tight end positions. We do everything. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. 
What's been the one thing for you professionally that you've changed from your career from college? College, you went to Orton three times, you, you know, national championships, right? One of the top players in the world. Great. But in your own head, you know there's improvement some spaces. And especially when you leave, you don't have the structure of like, hey, Taylor, you got to go to class here. You got to be at practice here. You have to get off the field because the NCAA says you got to get off the field. <laughs> what are you working on now with all your professional, you know, quote unquote, free time? I think first and foremost is resting, you know, as I've gotten older, like I'm not 19 years old anymore where we can, you know, go play a ton of games and go to a bar and then, you know, wake up and feel great the next day. And good life. so, yeah, the, the great life. And so like figuring out how to incorporate rest for me is honestly the hardest part because I do like even a day off, I feel like itchy and I feel like I like haven't done anything. And so that has been a really difficult part for me just because I know like my training so spread out, my opportunities to play are so spread out. Um, but I think secondly, is just like, it's really easy for me to go out and go shoot. It's really easy for me to go out and go do dodges or even do draw work. It, but defensively, like being a defender and somebody who doesn't play against other live humans all the time, that's the hardest part. So incorporating a lot of change of direction stuff, footwork, you know, going against, you know, my high school kids going against, um, you know, my trainer, he'll, you know, do different reaction drills just to kind of mimic as much as possible that live reaction time to reacting to somebody. And you know what it's like, you, mm. you practice against air and it's nothing compared to practicing against a human who's trying to actually do something. So that has been something that I, really struggled with, especially right out of college. But as it's gone on, it's, it's been a lot easier to figure out how to supplement that and, and to get that into my schedule so that, you know, when I do go to a training camp, it only takes me like half a practice to get back into it and not, you know, the full camp to feel like I'm, I'm back where I used to be. The soreness after you get back is so frustrating <laughs> in the sense that you're like, I literally couldn't have trained any harder. But the older I've gotten, I'm like, I just know it's coming and I know it's really the adrenaline. Like the minute, the minute our stuff is filmed, the minute there's a coach out there mm -hmm. and the NFL's got a lot of restrictions. So like we go through a two week period where there's no coaches, you run and do stuff on your own, but the, it's being filmed or maybe it's not filmed, but it's just, the, we, I don't know, you're in your gear yeah. you're in the building, you're yeah. getting paid to be there. The like literally the soreness I have after running just like tempo runs. I'm like, man, I just ran 50 of these last week. I ran 10 this week. I'm sore. There's something to it. And then obviously when the hitting and the training camp happens, it's like a whole nother world, but you get used to it and it's fine. But there, there's a lot to digest there. I think, you know, for me, you talk about professionally, you talked about development. The hardest part about football is the, the, first off, it's a whole nother can of worms business-wise because there's no developmental leagues for the professionals mm -hmm. other than college. But development as someone in football – like, what do you do in the offseason other than like run and lift? You can't really recreate what happens. You can run mm -hmm. routes and do all that stuff. Lacrosse wise, and particularly women, they're really starting to develop. There's already men's leagues, mm -hmm. professional lacrosse leagues. You've played in those leagues, you know, a higher scorer in the one league I saw. You, you, you've done it. You're an advocate for the sport off the field when it comes to business wise. Obviously, you have your own clinics, your support of everything that's going on uh, when it comes to getting on ESPN and all that stuff. Where is the women's across world development wise off the field, business wise off the field? You know, I think this latest league and athletes unlimited is like the most real league that we've participated in. I, I was very fortunate that when I graduated, the UWLX was like the first semi-pro 
league started the same year I graduated. So I'm very fortunate that I've never had like a summer where I didn't have an opportunity to play outside of us. Um, once I graduated and that we basically played for free. Um, and you paid then, to play cause you drove and you, right. right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like we would like drive eight hours to Boston because flights are too expensive and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. then the WPLL came around and that was like a step up, right? We were starting to get paid. Our expenses were being covered. It still wasn't luxury by any stretch, but it was better. And so we were excited. And then last summer with a athletes unlimited, that was like the first time, like we got actual money that no, we can't live off of it. But for the five weeks you're there, that's, it was great money. And we were on TV and we were giving gear and we were living like a more professional lifestyle. And, um, you know, that's something where I think that is sort of now our standard. So every time the, the new leagues have come out, they've raised the standard of what, the, the women's game is at the professional level. And I'm excited to see, you know, what, what this summer holds. Um, I'm not playing just because of world cup. It's, it's too much to do back to back. And there's a quite a few that are, but I'm excited to witness it more so as a fan to see what the fan experience is like, because I heard great things about it, but that's important too. Not only that the professional players feel like the product that they're putting on the field is good and that they're treated in a certain way, but that the fans can look and, and be like, this is something I want to be in one day. The development of stars and featuring them at all levels on and off the field. You're seeing it now with, you know, Vrabel and what they're doing mm -hmm. in the men's league. I saw ESPN, this actually just popped up my head as you and I were talking about this, but ESPN bought the series that he's doing yep. kind of like the F1 situation that happened. And it was amazing. We were actually in downtown Baltimore um, yesterday, you know, having a drink and having a bite at Fed Hill. And mm -hmm. people were like inside the bar, a group, the one TV was on F1 and we're all staring at it. And it was all because of a Netflix TV show. Mm -hmm. I've been watching sports and I spend time in many a bar. People aren't dialed in like that. No. Do you think that that could happen, that this will be the same impact, like a show and more featuring of players? Because I know all of you girls, you guys are all awesome, have huge personalities. You're all great players, great athletes, top in the in the business of the college across world. Like there's a lot of juice to that. Like in that community, I was shocked how popular it was. I really was. I didn't know anything about it and it started dating mm -hmm. my wife and I'm like, sweet, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> but I got to know you guys and I got to follow you guys and there was a certain draw for me. But I think the, the the college game and the pro game just needs to do a better job overall selling uh, the people. The NBA does it, right? The NHL, NFL struggles with it because of the helmet. It's a different mm -hmm. thing. But you guys are, you know, I don't know. I'm just going, I'm, it's not even a question. It's more of a statement for me. I think there needs to be a better job of selling personalities because I think it will be absolutely massive for the game. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see that shift with, with the women's game. Um, like athletes unlimited, there's no team. So you're constantly changing like who you play with. So their model is like, it's more like people follow individuals. Like they yep. are going to cheer on a Kylie O'Miller or a Marie McCool or whatnot. And I think that is very much the case in that league. And I, I think this year with the women's game in college, like, you started to hear, like, I, I watch a lot of men's lacrosse because of Greg, and I watch a lot of women's lacrosse, obviously, because I played it. And, like, Paul Carcaterra would name drop, like, a Charlotte North in a men's game and, like, a men's broadcast or a Jamie Ortega. So you're starting to sort of see, like, that overlap happen between the men's and women's game. And, and different people are starting to really stand out in a way that – and be talked about in a way that when Sid and I played, you know – 
yeah, we were talked about, but like not that much, like not, not anything outside of the lacrosse world and even specifically the women's lacrosse community. But I think now like we're starting to see with the NIL deals with, you know, all these things that these college athletes have opportunities to do that we just frankly didn't in college while we were there. Um, you're starting to see that notoriety come, you know, more so to individuals, obviously to teams, but individuals are being more represented and well-known, which I think is only great for, you know, can only be good for the sport. hundred percent agree. And it's a, you know, obviously from your perspective, I, you're, you're telling me about it. So I guess I agree with the, you know, the barroom barstool chat that I've had with so many people because it was so much fun. I enjoyed the game. I had a blast. Mm -hmm. Like to when I was dating Sid and I'm like, what am I getting myself into here? I'm about <laughs> to sit in the stands and is it a swim meet where like, is it boring or is it fun mm -hmm. or what is it? But it was a blast and the community was great, but the community knew all about everybody. And it was like, okay, how can we find and how can you bring in the surrounding group? That's like half in mm -hmm. come all in. And that's what I've seen. And it, it's been great. It's been great to see. Where do you think the college game is right now? I've, I've watched a lot. Uh, where do you think the exposure is? Could it be better? Could it be worse? Um, you know, what's one way to fix it? Um, you know, I think it's it's gotten so much better in this past year, partially because like our game was on TV so much this season with e ESPN Plus. Like it was streamed a lot, but it was also like on BTN, on ESPN. We had ESPN U games. The finals were on actual ESPN, and you saw. I think last year it was like eighty thousand for ESPN U finals. And this year it was like 420,000 on ESPN. So that was great to me be, to hear if, from me because I was sitting there like, if we finally get on this, on this level and then our numbers suck, like that's going to be their first excuse to be like, okay, we're taking women's lacrosse off of the major channels. And to see it like five times the amount plus that it was a year ago is awesome for our sport. And I think it just shows that like, People want to watch. People were showing videos of it in bars, at restaurants, like on TV. Like people who do not know anything about this game are like, this is really exciting. And that is just, we we now set that standard and now it needs to keep going and keep yep. improving. It, it, it's a great point. And I think too, with the momentum, I remember that watching that weekend and it almost felt like a March Madness vibe in a way because it was like, all right, the men's are on today. The mm -hmm. girls are on tomorrow. And it was on ESPN. It was extremely visible. And why not piggyback off the men's kind of – I mean, that's that's business. It doesn't matter what it is. Numbers are numbers. So, great, you piggyback off the guys. The sport's more popular, okay? That's awesome because I remember being like, great, I'm going to watch these guys' games. We're going to flip over watch these girls' games. And I really don't watch lacrosse. This is not mm -hmm. in my wheelhouse. I watch the game. I follow all you guys. But I don't pop it on. I'm just not in that, that sphere. I was dialed in and a lot of people were, and I had people texting me about it that I thought that was just fun. It was fun how it was organized. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when I played, we had one final four where we were all in the same city. And I think that was really exciting too. And I know with like men's and women's basketball, it's a little different. Like there's so many people that watch those games that you would literally. And there's so many teams. Like, yeah. So many teams. But like our final fours were in Philadelphia together. And like, that was awesome. Even from a fan perspective, like my parents went to our games Friday. They then went and watched Greg's game Saturday. We watched our game Sunday, went and watched the game Monday. So like, I think from a TV perspective, it was awesome. But also from a like, just a lacrosse community, like, like you said, the lacrosse meet, everyone knows everyone. It's so tight knit that if you can get everybody in the same space in the same city, I think you're going to see numbers triple, double, triple, even in attendance as much as, as views. 
And that's really one way to grow it grassroots wise. I think business of sports is something that's always interests me. People know that to listen to this show. So, okay. It's this youth field. For example, I know that one. Well, I'm from the area. Mm-hmm. You have the whole tournament there. All the local businesses are going to want you guys back. The local hotels are going to want you guys back. Now they're lacrosse fans. And then it grows from there. I know it's extreme, mm-hmm. but it's a real reality of a situation. Absolutely. Sid and I were talking because we have turf now in um, Charlotte mm-hmm. and I miss our grass. We had the best grass in the <laughs> NFL. And it was so nice, like so nice. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, hey, you know, we got to go on the stage for Kenny Chesney. Like Kenny Chesney can't play a show on grass like that. Right. And then we can't go out and practice the next day. And then we have a, a, you know, MLS soccer team. And then opening day last year of college football season, there was three college football games like back to back. It was like Charlotte and ECU versus like Duke and App State. And then Clemson versus Georgia, like three days in a row. Like that's a billion dollars for the city of Charlotte. Right. They're jacked to get football back in that city. And it's expected now. So. I think it's a great idea. And the answer, you know, the answer to my question, what is the way to fix it? Not only to fix it, but it's not broken, but that'd be an awesome way to add things. So yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love that idea of getting it all together. Okay. So what's next for this world cup? Can you talk about the other teams? Can you kind of bring everybody in who's listening to the show? That's like, okay, we're talking women's lacks on the show today. Talk about the world cup, different teams, different players from different countries. You know, what's their process? Where do they come from? How do they qualify? Like all the questions that anybody would have about this thing. So world cup is we're having 30 countries. There's quite a few, I think there's like four or five new teams actually in their first world cup this year or world championships. It's world championships technically. Okay. Sorry. Um, I need to fix my tone with that. Yeah. It's hard for me because I just refer to it as world cup. Um, So four or five brand new teams, which is awesome. Um, And then Basically, there's different divisions that each team plays in based on their rankings from the previous World Cup. So similar to like soccer um, or and they compete a little bit more. So they have more ability to jump spots. But our bracket consists of us, England, Australia, Canada and Scotland. And those have been the top four. And then Scotland and Wales flipped last from last World Cup. So Wales was in our bracket last year. Now they were in, now Scotland is in our bracket this year. Um, and between those five countries in particular, so much talent and a lot of players that played lacrosse in the United States for collegiately, and then are going to go play for different countries. So you have like Megan Whittle who plays for England. Um, you have Dana Dobie who played at Maryland. You have a recordingly who played at Maryland for Canada. Um, you know, you have Hannah Nielsen who played at Northwestern, who's from Australia. So you have all these different players who, whether they were born in the country or they were born in the U.S. and have ties to those countries, um, that, you know, that's how the, you know, we're going to really be able to recognize a lot of faces there. And they are very, very talented. And so I think for us, you know, Canada, U.S. is always the battle that kind of gets people going. Um, and it's the one that we play them the most frequently just because it's easier for them to come down and play us as opposed to like England coming across the, the ocean. Um, so they're kind of Canada's are probably our biggest rival. England and Australia are very, very talented as well, have a lot of really sharp players and they play more consistently. So England and Australia have leagues that they play in together. They play for different cups. Um, and then Scotland is the one that, you know, we didn't, I don't believe we played them last season or last world cup. So we're actually excited to play them because we don't really know what's coming for us. And that's always fun and exciting too. That's awesome. 
There, it, it, I can't wait to go to a couple games. Obviously, we're in the area now. It's going to be fun. There's 30 different teams, Argentina, Australia, Canada, China, Colombia, Germany. I'm just I'm not going to read everything here. Italy, Ireland, Hong Kong, Spain. I mean, that's really cool. United States, obviously, Wales, Sweden, Switzerland, Uganda, Latvia, mm-hmm. Netherlands. That's really cool. And it's an awesome environment to be in this area. It needs to be in this area. I, you know, it's a debate I've had, again, at the bar. Where I think it should be somewhere else. Grow the game somewhere else. It doesn't need to be in Baltimore. But it kind of needs to be here because the place is packed. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Do you grow the game somewhere else where it would be people have to travel more or you keep it here and you keep it more, you know, more juice? I think for like an event like this, it's a once every four years, well, yeah. in our case, five years kind of event, you put it where the people are. And yep. like for us, you know, obviously a lot of East Coast players. So it's really easy for us. But I also think for fans, right, we're in one of the two major hotbeds. And for countries, right, it's a what an hour drive to DC if they want to go tour DC. It's like a three hour train ride if they want to go up to New York City. So you're kind of in that perfect place where, you know, as a country that went over to England last year, we got to go to London, we got to go see different parts of, of England. And by being so centralized to a couple of different areas, it allows for countries who are traveling in to be able to go experience that. So I think it's a great place to be. Of course, I'm biased because I have to go right down the road. But, um, you know, I think we're really excited to hold it in a hotbed to create an environment, hopefully similar to, you know, the women's lacrosse final fours where, you know, there's a ton of kids in the sands. There's so much hype around it and that people actually come. Um, and we have the opportunity to do that, you know, being in one of the two major hotbeds of, of our country. Love it. I can't wait to watch it. I'm excited. All right. Uh, as I wrap things up, you know, what, what's next for you after the world cup, what, what's on your docket? I know you're coaching, I know you're playing, I know you're, you know, doing a little bit of everything. I got a couple camps lined up, lots of lessons. Um, I have my best friend's little brother's wedding and then greg and i are actually getting married in september so a lot a lot to do a lot of lacrosse but a lot of other like big life things happening which we're we're just excited about so hopefully going to be able to get at least a couple days at the lake to relax after world cup and then it's like full steam ahead till the wedding take time off taylor cummings (laughs) all right can i hit you with a couple rapid fire questions Yes. I don't usually do this, but I got to keep it Maryland. Um, <laughs> I got to keep it Maryland here. And I've been thinking about it as we've been doing it just sparingly. All right. Let me, let me go here. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's go. This is good for radio here. <laughs> okay. Go. Okay. This is, this is DMV centric. Perfect. Okay. All right. Good. Thanks for everyone for dealing with me there. That was really bad radio. Okay. Favorite place to play lacrosse other than in maryland towson university honestly there we go and that's where the, that's, <laughs> that's where the world so let's say this favorite place to play like not in this dmv area um northwestern they were like right on like michigan that place is sick that place is absolutely beautiful <laughs> go maryland lacrosse over northwestern right. there's no free right. ads there right. best player you played against kayla trainer hands Love down it. favorite moment in your uh in your career at the university of maryland um i think after we won the national championship running over to like our family and friends and our alums and singing our fight song 
Um, the win was awesome, but I think like being in that environment was like the best. I wish I could like record my brain, like record that time and like watch it over again. I love it. Absolutely love it. Orange crush or grapefruit crush? Orange crush. I mean, you're, uh, this is maybe a bad question. Nationals or Orioles? Oh God. I mean, Orioles are so bad. Can I say Ravens? <laughs> Ravens or Commanders? Ravens. Favorite Raven of all time? Ray Lewis. Of Best Raven of all time? Oh God. Um. And your and your error. Suggs. I love Suggs. Suggs. He's so big. So I big. saw him at the. We played them in a Hall of Fame game. Oh my gosh! When Erlacher got in, introduced and uh -huh. when Ray Lewis got introduced, and I remember seeing Suggs. He was wearing an Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh huh. And I, we, they're like, "Hey, Colin, he's playing tomorrow." Because I was playing the whole game. I'm the sixth tight end. I'm like, "No, he's not playing tomorrow." They're like, "He's playing tomorrow." And they're like <laughs> messing with me. I'm like, "I can't. There's not. There's no way. I can't." This is like four years ago. Uh huh. And, thank God he's out of the NFL now. He's thank mad. God. <laughs> Any fond memories from the Super Bowl run back in the day? Joe Flacco, anything you oh remember from that you like the most? Uh, the Jacoby Jones catch over the safe or safety or corner, whoever from the Broncos. That was, I literally jumped up out of my seat and spilled something. I'm pretty sure that was awesome. The lights out was crazy. Oh, lights out too. Yeah, there's a lot of drama that series, the entire run. That was a heck of a year. Joe Flacco made a ton of money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but hey, congrats to you and Greg getting married here soon. You know, a lot of great personal things happening to you and, uh, you know, a lot of great things for your teams you've been on and one of the leaders and one of the best players in the world, ambassador for the game of lacrosse. It's been great to get to know you as a friend and looking forward to uh, having some fun and for you taking some downtime after the World Cup. Thank you for having me, for all your support always. Uh, can't wait to see you in Sid soon. Yeah, the great Taylor Cummings. Taylor, thanks for joining us. Thank you.